0: Welcome to the All Chats pod with me Emesha here and me James Factor. This podcast will tackle the taboo topic of mental health in a raw, honest and jovial way with two good mates who've met in London talking about their own mental health hiccups with some help from some special guests along the way. Welcome
1: to episode 17. This is the Doctor Chat. Here we speak to Dr Stephanie Slater about her mental health journey, her work in the NHS as well as her own self-care tips.
0: So to be fair, I looked, I was watching news of the day and there's bits on, oh, what she called? Kate Middleton? Is it Kate Middleton? No, what's the fucking princess that Chester Cambridge called?
1: Kate, Kate
0: Middleton? yeah, it was Kate Middleton,
1: i William's wife, you mean?
0: Yeah, that's the one. I didn't realise that. She was talking about this week just gone was Children's Mental Health Week. So she was like promoting right. it, speaking to loads of teachers and stuff. And I, I had no idea that that was even the thing. Obviously, I just had a look at Google earlier and there's loads of reports from like the mental health foundation about like teenagers during the pandemic and also this article that they they mentioned and they talked about some research they've got is how like teenagers with their parents who are unemployed or their guardians who are unemployed are really reporting high symptoms of anxiety and obviously them in general like you think about those odd jobs that we had during that age of what 16 to 19 and obviously they're not there like the retail jobs and stuff so I think it's yeah. just quite a tricky time, obviously for them as for everyone.
1: Yeah. It's good <clears throat> these these studies are coming out a lot more now.
0: We've had time to look at it and engage the full impact of it, completely. Yeah, I think it's it's often a time we neglect. We mentioned in the teachers chat whereby a lot of mental health hiccups kind of are created at a younger age. So obviously it's good that, like you said, the research is coming out that hopefully people can take an eye to it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think how, how have you been over the past what January? I've I've not been too bad. I've had um, <clears throat> nothing
1: too too major. <clears throat> I like I like January anyway. Uh, I think it's a, everyone knocks it, but I really I like just you can start a fresh new year, just get into something, and it's not too bad having the pubs and stuff closed for this time anyway. So it hasn't been as noticeable as December, November. So that's been alright. Yeah.
0: just waiting just waiting for this to finish now really shouldn't be too long I don't yeah. think you'd hope so you'd hope so I think it's just yeah, January's quite a good time to reassess yeah. talk about reassess I should I should have mentioned it earlier but I think just before Christmas, I started doing therapy again so I'm still doing it now on a Friday it is pretty good to be fair like it's a lot of stuff that my old counselor told me to do but I just wasn't ready to do it um, just like dealing with like past traumas and stuff so it is actually really helpful and I can help feed in some information here and there but some of the stuff they say is actually so relevant to everyone like although it's unique to me like there's so many stuff that we could like implement we could we could this could be a therapeutic podcast as well as a, know, give, a give us podcast. one one uh, one line or something so to be fair the one thing that they said he mentioned last week was the of Right now, we've just all got to be creative in getting those, getting those feelings and endorphins that we'd normally get in different scenarios, like pre the pandemic. So, for example, you've just got to be creative in the sense of there's there's three things he mentioned whereby we need a good mix of we need we need to do actions that that give us pleasure or look forward to, give actions that some gives you some sorts of achievement. So, for example, that could be you could like pre plan a workout and then. Once you've done it, obviously that's the achievement. And then the final thing was you need to do something that gives you closeness to others, so like phone calls and things like that, and video calls. So he mentioned like having those, a mix of those three things throughout your week. Right now is the best way to go forward. And this is just, we're like we're human beings, like we're not used to being pent up into like it's a cage and stuff. So he said like a mix of those three things will benefit you right now. So it was just specific to what's happening now, and then also just broad. Well, yeah, obviously you talk, you talk, you talk about yeah, you talk about everything like you talk about what's happening now and then like the, the previous picture. But yeah, everything starts, everything starts with like how you're doing. And stuff. Did you get back
1: to? Did you get back in touch be- during what was it? The November Christmas
0: lead-up time. Is that period. Yeah, probably that like November time because I think my old Cancer mentioned that I needed this. It's called EMDR. It's like I needed this. I don't know the ins and outs of it yet because I've kind of just started it, but I'll feed back to you. But yeah, it, she recommended I needed this sort of like therapy, but I just wasn't ready to do it when she said it. That was like early last year. I haven't,
1: I haven't heard of it. So is it, is it different from CBT?
0: Yeah, so it's like, it's basically a therapy around to deal with like like traumatic events that I've happened to before. But EMDR stands for the Eye, eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. So it's a bit like, Do you know not like the hypnotized, but it's a bit like do you know when you see people like following the finger, like with eyes and stuff. Yeah, it's a bit like that. That's one thought. but That's one form of EMDR. Um, But like I said, I don't know the ins and outs of it. I don't really have the confidence to talk about yet because I don't really haven't really done it. Such, but sounds interesting. eh? When you hear when you do more, I'd like to hear about it. Yeah, and then it probably leads on to today's guest in the sense of someone in the professional environment and we've actually got a doctor today. First one on the show, is it? I don't yeah. want to put down anyone before. The first one is medical. Proper doctor. Proper doctor, <laughs> medical, medical background, I believe. Nice to meet you, Steph. You alright?
2: Hi there. Yeah, lovely to meet you. Hi.
0: i try to think how this came about. So we've got a mutual friend, Adana, big up Adana. Yes,
2: yes, so... Adana. Oh, she's amazing. Yeah, Yeah. so <laughs> I went
0: to like the boys' school near us, I knew from home, and then Went to university, and you went to Birmingham as well, didn't you?
2: Yes, Birmingham Uni. The great man. years of my life. The good old time.
0: <laughs> so, fact a bit of background yeah. here. So, the rugby at Birmingham, we never had a varsity game because all the like Loughborough is too good, but our varsity game was against the Birmingham Medics. Okay. So, that's what I used to say. So there used to be a bit of animosity, and then then we'd be friends afterwards. <laughs> I kind of, I think Adana shared your instagram profile maybe ages ago like one of the first lockdowns when it first started and i'm not gonna lie like i had a nosy and i was like i read it and i was like to Dan, I was like like this is great like who is she um <laughs> then and then obviously you're quite prevalent on your social media account so that's probably a good way to start like what made you start dr stephanie slater and what's it all about
2: yeah course cool. so i mean i'm gonna be honest i actually didn't i actually posted my first um my first instagram post uh back in August, uh, August last year. And I went to have a look back at it because I'd actually forgotten why I started the account. I have now now feel like I have some more purpose. But basically what it was on the day I'd gotten up and I was just feeling anxious, exhausted, just not in, I could feel myself, I I call it spiraling um, a lot of the time, but I could feel my everything just spiraling and feeling like I wasn't going to have a good time. And I was like, no, I was like, let's stop this we'll get outside we'll go to the park and what can I do to help before that I've got my five minute journal which I was using a lot at the time which is about writing down gratitude uh what you're grateful for and making you think positive things and I've done a workout which always helps um and then I got outside and got to the park and had an amazing day and I was like I just want to put that out there that I've had a rubbish time but I've done these things and it's helped and I'm now having a good day and I wonder if anyone could benefit from it so I posted that and then a little bit down the line i was kind of working out i'm really into exercise and stuff and i wondered whether what route my instagram account would take but i was given the opportunity to share um, my story of my mental health in the first wave of covid uh, with an instagram account called humans of covid and when i shared that story um a lot of people messaged me and commented on it saying wow and um, thank you so much for sharing that because I'm going through something similar, or, you know, it's really nice to hear that someone else is having similar time to me and uh, thank you for opening up and being honest. And I, you know, this huge surge of like, oh, but that's amazing that I can possibly help people by sharing my story. And I think we talk a lot about mental health and I think that's one of the big silver linings of, not that there's many silver linings of lockdown and COVID, but, you know, one of the silver linings is, I really do think we're talking more about it. Um, Unfortunately, mental health services remain underfunded, stretched, all these things. But we're at least talking more about it, becoming more aware um, and hopefully able to do things for ourselves to help us. So and uh, nowadays I just kind of share content of um, when I'm anxious, what I do about it, how I'm getting through lockdown, a little bit into my doctor life. And I like to give like practical tips on stuff. So uh, really random. But I've always, even as a doctor, um, I've been involved in some of those situations where they're like is there any doctor available And immediately I'm like oh no not me not me I'm not I'm not someone who has you know massive confidence in those situations and um I think after that had happened a couple of times I, I started thinking like well hang on I mean obviously I do know what's going on but if I was someone who was non-medical I'd have no idea so if I share some like first aid tips and uh, kind of how to help in emergencies and stuff like that but yeah uh, uh focused around mental health and uh it's it's been good um I mean uh, whether I think social media is good for mental health overall I mean I'd, I'd be very on the barrier I think there's a lot of negatives to it um I always say to people who are fo- um not always say but I try to say to people who are following me if seeing my posts is not making you happy or having any negative effect on you don't unfollow me don't you know don't follow me I'm not I don't want to because I think it can be negative I'd been off Instagram for a while before I started my account Um, but yeah I'm enjoying it and I mean I think one of the benefits that I really didn't know about and um, hadn't thought of was there's actually quite a nice community on Instagram so I, I get quite a few different people who are sharing similar things to me or other junior doctors nurses um, or just people who want to connect messaging and you know posting and saying well done and good luck and you know all this thing it's really nice to have a space um in obviously a time where we're all so disconnected and alone uh, which has not been the most fun
1: when you say social media when it's used for that purpose with instagram and meet and getting in touch with like-minded people i think that's obviously the best it can do for mental health that's at, at its best and then you have the negative sides to it where you, you can get obsessed and drawn into it. How was your mental health and how did you express yourself before social media really got to the state it did now? So sort of growing up and what kind of experience did you go? Yeah,
2: through? of course. So really with my uh, mental health journey, if we if we call it that. So I would say where where things kind of Started for me, and where I first got professional help was in November 2019, and that was actually following um, my ex-partner uh, breaking up and finishing our relationship. And I was at work at the time; I was actually working uh, on a psychiatry job, and I had a wonderful uh, supervisor with me, uh, really supportive colleagues, and everything. But I'd I'd never been heartbroken before, and it was horrible. It was horrible. And it turned into, as well as the heartbreak, which I kind of coped with initially and gradually started crying less and everything. But unfortunately, what came with that was massive anxiety. So just becoming panicked about everything, becoming overwhelmed a lot, very, very tearful, to the point where it started happening at work all the time. And I remember um, a lot of my colleagues used to sit in the same office, And one of them just asked me one day when I was feeling particularly bad to, for example, prescribe a medication or something. And I just had this moment where I was like, what? I I was like, wow, I can't even take in what you're saying. And it was at that point where I was like, This is this is not okay. This is not okay. I'm not okay to be if I can't listen to a question and compute and do something. It's not good. I don't want to be in this state for my patients. You know, I I want to make sure my patients are safe. And I don't feel that I'm going to be providing with this great care if I'm feeling like this. I spoke to my supervisor she was really kind she said you know if you don't sleep sleep i mean i'll t- i'll talk about sleep cuz i love sleep but um you know i think it's so important in mental health um to prioritize your sleep but i wasn't sleeping well and and if i didn't sleep till 3am she'd say don't worry come in come in late and i was just really lucky on that job because unfortunately in medicine often it's a lot busier than that and often there are there aren't excess doctors Usually, um, people—not usually—but people can be very stressed. And when someone's off sick, it unfortunately often leaves a gap in the roster. But on that job, I was very lucky. Unfortunately, that—that wasn't enough. It got to the point where I was just crying all the time at work. And I uh, spoke to—and you know—I spoke to my supervisor again, and she was amazing in this. And she said, "I think—I think you need some time off. I think you need to speak to your GP and work out where to go from here." And that was amazing for me. And it was, I was so glad that I did that. I spoke to my GP and I know people have really variable experiences. I'm not saying that everyone has a great GP and that all doctors are great, but I was very lucky in that they uh, understood what I was saying um, and agreed with me that I could do with a space for everything. And they referred me to something called the NHS Practitioner Health Programme. Which is set up for doctors and dentists um, and can provide some therapy support and mm-hmm. counseling support. And that was what I did at that time. Um, so I had, <laughs> I call them kind of heartbreak focused sessions. It, it was very much um, a get back to work uh, and focused on the situation at hand. So I had a few different counseling sessions. I learned really important things like you know, I am worthy just because it doesn't matter if you've got this, it doesn't matter if you've achieved this, it doesn't matter if you've done this with your life, um, whether you're achieving these good grades or whether you're dressing this way or looking this way, you are worthy just for being alive, which was an amazing thing to learn. And things like, it was hilarious in the sessions. I mean, I, I'm i a massive advocate of therapy. Uh, I think it's not talked about enough. And um, unfortunately, the mental health services are stretched. People can't get usually get access to it that quickly but i think anyone who can get access to it should consider it i think it's great um goes into loads of different things and you've got someone there who is non-judgmental and who doesn't know your situation and will kind of support and guide you through whatever you're going at the time um and that was the best thing for me and then i uh, reco- recovered a bit. I was then like, woo, 2020 is going to be a great year because I'm going to start to feel better. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha And then um, unfortunately, RIP, love you both, both my grandparents passed. Um, so it was a bit of a hard time. And then COVID hit. And I was like, oh, and do you remember the days when everyone was like, oh, it'll be two weeks, two weeks of lockdown, yeah. nightmare. And at that point, I'd moved on to a job uh, in GP in the community. And I, my flatmate was isolating it with her parents because uh, she could work from home and it, it, unfortunately my mental health took a massive downturn again and I basically didn't really have any face-to-face conversations for more than two to three minutes with anyone for about, about seven or eight weeks and I'd never I just never experienced loneliness like that um and yeah. at first I wasn't terrified of covid I was terrified of getting it I would hear news stories about uh there was you know a, a nurse who was in their late 20s or early 30s and she died and even though that was a rare case I couldn't I, I was like I'm going to die if I get covid but I can't get it and unfortunately that anxiety just kept building and building mm. and it got to the point where At work, we were trying to socially distance. So we'd usually see each other a lot of the time, have meetings um, and go in. I'd go to get support because I'm a GP trainee, so I'm not a a qualified GP yet. And I'd go in to get support from the other GPs with patient cases. Whereas now that was all being done over the phone. We'd all sit in our separate rooms. And it got to the point where um, leaving the house became a nightmare. I'd have to walk around for five minutes or so, checking everything was off, all the plugs, the oven, I'd do it about three or four times. I'd get out the house, I'd lock the... It was never something that troubled troubled me before. I'd get out the house, I'd lock the door, I'd walk down the road, I'd freak out that I hadn't locked the door. I'd run back, check that I'd locked it, and made it to that point. Then I'd get on the bus, freak out if anyone came near me, freak out if anyone wasn't wearing a mask. you know would have to go and check that all the windows were closed check that um, I had my hand sanitizer and I get to work and I'd immediately feel a bit better because I was you know in a safer environment i.e uh, not not near anybody but that just built and built and built to the point where I just couldn't leave the house one day and at that point I um, it, I felt so ashamed I mean as I had done the last time and I think it's really interesting how, um, how I've changed so much to it but I felt awful not being able to work I was like I can work I can work and it it, you know I kept pushing myself and pushing myself and I think now I've gotten to a point whereas in the first time when I became unwell it was very much I'm doing this for patient safety I'm now able to realize okay I need to do this for myself (laughs) I am important and I you know I I can have happiness and I don't need to be feeling like this all the time um Mm. and at that point I was made an isolation plan and then went to stay with my parents and had uh, about five weeks off work and took time to recover and was very lucky because it was sunny again um so the weather was much nicer and uh slowly 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 over a few weeks I started to get better and I also got referred for cognitive behavioral therapy uh CBT which was amazing um can't recommend it enough uh absolutely loved that learned so much about myself learned so much again um and then since then, since getting back, I mean the, the November lockdown, I found quite difficult. We're we're now obviously in in lockdown three, uh, COVID wave two, and I've just been very fortunate. I feel awful for my colleagues who are properly on the front line because ITU has been full for since the start of January, basically, um, and they're re- they're really suffering and. It's really busy, and I'm quite fortunate at the moment that I'm working in pediatrics. Fortunate for me because I think I'd be struggling more if I weren't. But I'm in pediatrics, which is not as affected by COVID. So looking after children, and yeah, these days try try my best. I still end up in uh, social media media holes and spiraling into anxiety, but I've got coping mechanisms and go from there. Really,
0: it feels like you should have your radio <laughs> first. <huh? laughs> We've just left you for about five minutes there and you just...
2: <laughs> you should have told just, me to shut just, up. Just, <laughs> I can ramble on. No, no, I can no, ramble no. on. You'll we'll
1: never. <laughs> we'll feed in the questions later <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it'll be like much, <laughs> It'll be yeah, fine, we'll Matt. Yeah, we'll,
0: we'll have to rewind. No, no, no. Uh, obviously.
1: There's ticking loads
0: of discussion points, really, not there? A it? lot of things you talked about there we've actually talked about in previous chats. I think you're in a bit of a...
2: Yeah.
0: ...unique environment, Steph, in the sense of like, it's kind of like a weird juxtaposition... Your job is to help people, like within their physical and mental health. But obviously, if you're you're struggling, you might feel a bit. or you probably previously felt a bit guilty in the sense of, oh yeah. But that's yeah. you forget that obviously that's your job. But I had a thing previously whereby, like I only saw professional help a couple of years ago. But before that, I had friends who suffered mentally, saw them like get professional help, and for me, obviously they didn't say it. I was like jealous that they were able to do that because I knew I needed to do it, but it just wasn't the right time for me. But obviously, you're in a such a hard a hard and difficult situation where you need to help the patient but obviously help yourself as well
2: yeah i i think i think that's so tricky and i think especially at the moment um and especially with all these covid waves people will feel so unable to take time off and get help um and i think i'm <laughs> this might sound really weird i'm really grateful for having gone through uh the two times when my mental health was really bad and and I've got to be honest That, I, doesn't,
0: sound, that doesn't sound weird at all
2: Yeah, when, when I look back I mean I having now been diagnosed with anxiety I look back and I think to myself wow I've had this for ages you know I remember a time in school when I had a complete panic attack I was probably 10 uh, and we were doing a SAT and I have very little imagination and I remember one of the questions was write us make up a story and I was like what? <laughs> what am I doing? And, you know, I remember having this horrible, nervous moment and I, I can't remember exactly what happened at the time, but I think back and I'm like, wow, I've had this my whole life, really. Um, so, yeah, I, it's good that you agree with that. But, yeah, I'm so grateful to have learned what I've learned um, and had the professional help.
1: How has it been like, um, and you're in pediat- pediatrics yeah. uh, normally, but then seeing at the moment, possibly hearing stories, seeing what's going on in, in ICUs and in hospitals, what's take people who might not be, obviously they're aware of it, but they're not really, you know, in that mindset or that, or looking at that, how how are things at the moment from your perspective Um, compared to maybe the last lockdown as well? I
2: mean, so I think in the first, from from a doctor's perspective or nurse's perspective, and I mean, I think that's what you forget about as well, is like it's a massive team effort, you know, the nurses, the healthcare assistants, the pharmacists, the physios, um, the cleaners, you know, that are going into ITU and cleaning everything and putting themselves at risk of everything. I think the first lockdown was definitely more not the not knowing was terrifying you know we were all i think as doc you know as a doctor yes you don't By no means do I retain all the information about everything at any time, but you're generally prepared. You generally have met things before. Whereas this was obviously something completely new and completely terrifying and kind of spiraled and built and built and built. Um, And I think that was awful. And, you know, especially with the first wave when people were ringing up when I was in the GP practice and saying, what's going to happen and how will I feel and what am I expecting? And I'd have to be, and I'm always advocate to be honest with patients anyway, but I have to be honest, I just don't know. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. I think that was terrifying. And I think also um, it was just uh, the first lockdown, obviously with the isolation and people weren't uh, talking as much about support bubbles and that kind of thing. So I think that was a lot more difficult. Um, This one we're on, I think, the fact that it's been so last minute, so very much feels like all the changes suddenly came in in January, even though there was a bit of an expectation. I've had nursing colleagues who were moved, One, they were asked maybe a few months before, should there be another wave? Would you be happy to be deployed? So move from, for example, the paediatric wards to ITU. And they'd said, yes, I will volunteer myself. And then they called on the Monday and moved on the Tuesday. Um, And it was just, you know, very rapid, very, um, which is a bit unnerving when you've not been doing that job for a long time. And I think there's a lot of burnout and a lot of tiredness and a lot of stress. And I think for people who maybe haven't experienced, um, I mean, I think mental health on a continuum, continuum, personally, everyone has a bit of stress and a bit of, bad mental health poor mental health or good mental health all the time but for people who haven't had to have coping mechanisms who are now struggling I just think it's really scary because I don't know where they're going to go and I don't know how they're going to get the support and there isn't there's there's some well-being services being offered but I hear a lot of them are unfortunately in the middle of the day that people can't get to um we did actually have the trust send out last week a well-being pack um which had a various collection of things to kind of help with our well-being and I think that's a really nice motive but I think the fact that it's not the fact that we don't have an end date and the fact that ITU has been as full for this long is massively taking taking yeah. a toll and there's not you know there's, there's not enough nurses there's not enough HCA's that they're asking for people um, to come and fill those roles and carry out those roles and trying to recruit more people and um, I don't know how they're doing it. I think they're, I'm always in awe. And I always tell um, my colleagues who've been moved that they're doing an amazing job. And it's just quite sad because a lot of them say, I really don't feel like that. I wish I could be doing more, which is heartbreaking because, uh, I mean, that's the reality, unfortunately, where if they're looking after people and they don't have, um, and they become more unwell rather than, uh, more unwell rather than better, it's a horrible thing to be going for. And they, you know, probably take on guilt about that and all the stress. Yeah. It's not, not very nice.
1: Mm. And just moving us back to the mental health side of it then, because people talk about, for people who maybe don't talk about mental health as much as we do on the show or you, or you do with, um, with patients, they'll see the kind of headline uh, mental health pandemic quite a lot and they may not quite, you know, understand that term or the nuance the nuance of it how do you think we've moved to that stage and at, at what point and what do you think the picture will look like now compared to before just for people to get a sense of you know how serious this is when we yeah people
2: talk in, about in terms it. of um a whole population or in terms of the uh, medical health services
1: uh just people uh, just whole population know.
2: i mean i think <laughs> I think what I think what's horrible is that um I think a lot of people didn't have any if who didn't have coping mechanisms before are suddenly feeling very lost. And I think there's a kind of acute problems with that, i.e. people becoming incredibly depressed, possibly to the point where they can't cope anymore, having suicidal thoughts, really severe mental health. And then there's the long term, which is The burnout how that affects them and whether that will stay with them and there's a lot of people who you know a lot of people who i remember people calling up and saying i just can't go shopping i can't go out and i think that fear of catching bugs will unfortunately stay with people for a very long time i don't think there's going to be you know when we say let's everything's going to get back to normal is is everyone really going to stop wearing masks I don't know. I mean, I don't know there's there's going to be that fear there. And and it is a real fear. And what's interesting, I mean, I remember with when I started my cognitive behavioral therapy with my amazing therapist back in uh July or August, she said to me when the crisis started and people were asking for my help, I had I was honestly really worried because I I think everyone has a real fear and I think everyone is allowed to have those fears and there's no way I can tell them that that's not legit, you know. There's no way I can say to them, "Oh, don't worry," or "Oh, it'll be okay," or "Oh, things are going to be yeah, You're yeah." yeah. And, I, and I think that's horrible. Um, I mean, as I said, I, I think hopefully the more it's talked about uh, with the men, with the mental health, and hopefully you've got to hope that there's got to be more funding put into the services. That maybe it will mark uh, start an improvement, and I think one of the massive things, and if you're even if you're just noticing, oh, I'm a bit more stressed than usual, or I'm not sleeping as well, starting to do self care and um, knowing that you can help yourself and you you are worthy of feeling happier and not feeling stressed all the time, and you deserve to put time into yourself, is can be so helpful. Like you know, there's so many little things people can do if they're just even unsure of where they're at at the moment to To help and hopefully then, those self care methods or whatever they learn that's personal to them that helps they can then use again in the future.
0: So you touched on it then, Steph. But what what are your top tips or what are your like key things that you do to manage? Yeah, of course. Um,
2: uh, So what would I say first? I think first is exercise. So not everyone, not everyone loves it. I mean, and should I say exercise or should I say movement? I've, you know, read a few things on it. So I think just getting up and about and not being stationary all the time, especially uh, when we're all stuck, uh, isolating is so important. For me with exercise, it's the endorphins. I, I love getting out of breath, getting a sweat on. Um, you know, I get hyped up and I feel incredibly happy. Um, and it's rare that I finish still feeling frustrated or anxious. Sleep, so prioritizing sleep. So that was something it's crazy to think, but I never paid attention to my sleep. And now I have, (laughs) this is not to say, again, everything I say um, is my own personal experience. And, you know, everyone's got to find what's personal for them. But I use lavender spray on my pillow to try and like calm myself down. So I have this um, lavender spray, which I spray on uh, every evening. And I always make sure I've got my lights dimmed. I try and not be on technology. I'm not a saint. I'm not perfect at it. Um, but things, I don't know if you guys have heard of the sleep hygiene thing. So, you know, turn off electronics. There's kind of, if you Google sleep hygiene, there's loads of different tips. And then things like staying in touch with people, staying connected, obviously incredibly important. When I'm in a mindset that I can take things in and I'm not particularly anxious or sad, I, I, lear- I try and learn a lot of stuff. So uh, I was recommended this great book that I have been using along with my cognitive behavioral therapy. That's called, it's called 10 Steps to Positive Living, which is a bit of a rogue <laughs> title, but I've been moving through it with my um, and going through it with my therapist. So I can't say that it, you know, I can't say that without discussing it after, whether it will help or not. But I think learning, I, I did a course uh called The Science of Wellbeing that was an online course by Yale that I found in the first lockdown that was all about happiness. And learning about myself, uh, just trying to work out what things give me joy and making sure I do some of them. So if there's a particular TV show that I'm enjoying, sounds really basic and really silly, but the other day I was watching something and I realized afterwards my mood was really negative. And I was like, why am I, why am I watching this thing that's made my mood? You know, I need to find things that are going to make me happy. And, you know, there's so much that you've learned. You can't control everything, but making small alterations to your life that might make you happier is, is massive. But something that, uh, yeah, I wanted to mention because I, honestly a few months ago I was incredibly sh- ashamed of this so I think it's good to now talk about it is I started uh, sertraline which is an antidepressant at the start of this month in January and it's when you get a set when you if you ring your GP and you're uh, having an issue with your mental health they will talk about all the different options for you and I think at the time, quite a few of people had suggested uh, trying an antidepressant in the times when I'd had quite poor mental health previously. And I'd had this feeling of, and I'm not saying it's for everyone, not at all. And there's actually been, there's a really interesting book called Lost Connections, which talks about how um, antidepressants aren't the cure for everything. I don't think you can treat mental health with a tablet. However, um, I've gotten to the stage where it was it, I was feeling quite low in November uh, start of December and I thought to myself, actually, should I try something? Let's try this thing. Why am I so worried about it? Why am I so hating on it? I thought that it would completely change the way I was thinking. I had all these, even though I know the basics, I had all these skepticisms about it. And I can't, apart from a few side effects that I had at the start, I can't report too much because unfortunately you have to kind of see how you're going after, you know, for four to six weeks or so before you see any real effects. But I I think it's important that that we lose a stigma around that as well you know um i don't think everyone should be going out and saying they need a pill however i think that it's it's good to be doing the recommended things and it's it's good to try and it's good to put yourself first i mean everything that you do that is putting yourself as a priority is going to help you lo- love yourself basically and help you kind of have compassion yeah that's
0: right I've got an image now of you putting your lavender spray on, Steph, and then loads of insects coming.
2: (laughs) Okay, okay. (laughs) like this. Well, it's interesting, actually. So the last – I was listening to um, your last episode with about uh, the mindfulness, and it's something that I – tried, tried and failed as, as many, as many have and to get into it. And, but I think it's so important to do things that calm you down and, and Headspace, I've done it and I've gone off it and I've done, it, I've gone off it. And I think it's incredibly important and it's something that is on my you know, life list of to do things yeah. is to properly get into it. But I think anyway, you can relax yourself. And and the problem is, but I'm not perfect. I forget that how great sleep is. I forget how great it feels to like get in my bed and be like, Oh, this is nice and relaxing. You know, I, I get stuck on a good TV program and I'm like, Oh, I'll just, you know, stay up another couple of hours. But so it's not easy to do always. You've
0: got to find your own, whatever works for you. We've always said it. Yeah, definitely Talking to good TV shows, new series of celebs go dating. I highly recommend it. Really? Wayne Lineker. It's bringing about the good times and been an Ibiza.
2: Okay. Interesting. Bit rogue. I'm more on the Bridgerton vibe at the moment. Yeah,
0: but reality TV is just great. It just gives you sort of a sort of escape.
2: Oh, don't it's start this. Realism. Don't start this. But this is the thing, isn't it? It's just so personal. I, I'm going to be honest. When I watch reality TV, and I hear all these arguments. I, I can feel myself getting stressed. It stress it yeah. stresses me out.
1: You get to, you relate yeah. to it. too yeah, much, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm in I'm it. I'm watching Entourage at the moment. I've never watched it before, and yeah. it just takes me away to uh, to a to a good it's just, place. Yeah, though. it's great. It's an easy watch. Good. Um, and it's just what just what yeah. I needed for January.
2: Yeah, I, I've never been I've never been a re- a reader, but I mean people who read love reading don't they and they feel like it's an escape and and but just got to find whatever works for you and I read something recently that was that was saying you know stop let's stop feeling ashamed to do just because we're not a really like you know a reader and read all these novels and we do all of this you know watching a tv show if it makes you happy is great do that you know enjoy yourself do whatever it is you enjoy I was
1: gonna the next one I was gonna ask about stuff was um it sounds a bit sort of like I'm trying to just get the gory details but i'm generally interested to know what have you what stories or yeah, what yeah. have you gone through on the front line <clears throat> in your experience so far because i've read adam Kay's this is gonna hurt there's a lot of shocking detail in there of the hours and the kind of things that have been yeah. uh, and been thrown in at the deep end what's what's your experience of that and or have you heard from colleagues kind of horror stories
2: yeah of course i mean i think <sighs> I think the thing to say first off is just that it is so variable Um, so the title of junior doctor in my head refers to kind of refers to more our foundation years so we we do the five years uh, in med school and then we have two foundation years where we're training up we tend to do six jobs within that time so six jobs of four months. And then after that, we'll start a training program. You're actually still called a junior doctor all the way up to uh, before you become either a senior registrar or consultant. I think I was really lucky in my foundation one year and we all got through it because we were a really lovely team and we all supported each other and we could rant to each other. And I also had really good supervisors. And I think the good supervisors make a, make a massive difference. In terms of, I mean, most of the stories of my foundation year are just about X-rays with uh things being things being put up the bum that uh, probably. That's, that's, what I, that's what our
1: listeners want to hear. Well.
2: Stuff. <laughs> well, it's probably the best one. I mean, it's a standard. Well, standard. <laughs> it's a standard thing. But there was just quite an elderly person that came in one time, and there was just a very large dildo, and it had migrated migrated all the way up into their into, um up into their intestines, and they had to have an operation to remove it oh i just felt so bad the poor person was so embarrassed what was
1: their excuse so what did they how did they say it got up oh that? they normally they say
2: they they normally yeah they normally say fall on they just say fall i mean i think everyone knows right but yeah, yeah i'm not got as many interesting as adam k interesting stories of adam k because i'm not on uh, not an obs and doctor and i'm not not a surgeon it's just really interesting because I, I think things are starting to slightly get better. But at the end of the day, if a senior is seeing you in all the surgeries, really keen, really going for it. Um, that is generally thought to be better than the person who goes and says, actually, I need to rest and recuperate. And
1: Is there any stigma around um, seeking mental health in NHS services?
2: It's not really talked about. I remember someone talking, one of my colleagues talking to me about it, maybe when I was in my foundation years and I remember being really shocked. I was like, oh, this is weird. Why Why are you telling me about this? Like, you know, what? Okay. I um, hope you're okay. And also, I mean, as horrible as it sounds, but also thinking to myself, oh, I hope you're not off work too much. And, and I mean, it's, it's horrible, but but that's, that is definitely how um, yeah. I used to think. And I mean, I was so ashamed. I was so ashamed to go off work when I did initially. And I was ashamed again to go off work the next time. Um, we don't, it was interesting, I was talking about this recently, we don't really get any training during all our training years. I hope it's better now. And I don't know how it is right now. But especially, so I went to uni 2010 to 2015. And I didn't get any specific advice on medicine will likely affect your mental health. As, you know, as it does in many jobs, but say, I know people say, I, I think everything's personal. I think everyone takes everything a different way. I think you can have an office job and still be just as affected by certain things as you can um, if you're a doctor and working with dying patients. That's, I mean, I, I really don't think you should be like, oh, you've got it so much harder. But I, I also think that it's crazy that they right. didn't prepare us in medical school to say you're probably going to struggle quite a bit and here's how you can look after yourself there wasn't really a moment there might have been one or two talks but there was never a feeling of um if you feel like you're struggling and you're stressed here's what you can do or if you feel like you're struggling and stressed here's who who you talk to and I very luckily well I mean I've had a range of supervisors because you get supervisors for every job and I think it can really affect you on what your supervisor, how your supervisor reacts to you, because if they're your mental health, you know, you have a You generally have an overall one and then one specific to your job. Um, in some cases, they just have one the whole time. But if that person isn't going to offer support, then you're very stuck and and you can't you can take it further, but there isn't anyone else dedicated to looking after you um, so I so I've had experience both ways I've, I've got a supervisor um, who is amazingly supportive and has been amazingly um, supportive and caring and um, during my current training program my GP training program so grateful to her and I had a great supportive supervisor as well when I first got on well but in the past I've had a supervisor who I went to when I was in my second year of foundation training and I was on a job that was incredibly busy We didn't get lunch breaks. They weren't, well, they weren't encouraged. If you got a lunch break, everyone was kind of like, ugh, can't believe she's going off the ward. It was very awkward and not a great environment. And I remember speaking to my supervisor and I think I cried during the meeting. And she said something along the lines, or was it she or he? Anyway, they said something along the lines of, oh, maybe you're a bit too empathetic to be a doctor. (laughs) And at the time I was like, I was like full on, I was, you know, I was on the phone to my mum after and I was like, you know, you don't realize how much you carry it with you. But at the time I'd, you know, I rang my mum, and I was like, Oh mum, they've said this. And maybe I'm too empathetic and maybe I need to, um, need to look at like a different career and don't get me wrong. She didn't push me out of medicine or anything, but I think when people say that to stuff to you, you know, it can really affect how you think about everything. Um, and now you know if nowadays if someone said that to me i'd be like no (laughs) i disagree but if you don't have the confidence and the knowledge to know where you're at and know what's important i think when you're developing as a doctor that can really affect things
0: yeah it's also those people who say those sort of things are the ones who need to dig into themselves as well they're the ones who haven't dealt with a lot of things in the past
2: yeah yeah it's really interesting and i mean i i don't hold any grudge against that person because when you speak to humans we're all fallible even if you're a really kind person you can't always be there for everyone uh that's just not how it works so if you speak to someone who is a stranger a professional or something that can help you they're not gonna invalidate your feelings they're not gonna make you feel any kind of way I think that's one thing i've learned is Yes, in the professional sense, but also in the personal sense, you know, I've sometimes spoken to people who are close to me and they've reacted in a way that I didn't expect them to and reacted in maybe not such a supportive way or downplayed what I was going through. And I then overthink that as I do with most things and, um, you know, and but also question my own feelings and think, well, hang on, is what I'm feeling right or maybe I'm thinking wrong or you know and it leads to a load of distrust whereas if you speak to someone who's not involved and is there to support you you get a completely different feedback completely different reaction
1: yeah I think the job of of being with in the NHS obviously can compound comments like that because of the stress levels and because of how much you're doing but it sounds like I mean from when me and Mesh have spoken about it and with other people on the show it sounds like these kind of when the comments come at a a very specific time in your life when you're just starting a career in any career and those, and those comments come from a senior person and they can have just damaging effects, regardless of what you're doing. And it's just any, any working environment that can be, that can be bad. And I guess the stereotype that comes to my mind is like, you know, you get a house or someone, (laughs) who's just just a cold bastard who's risen to the top through his genius. And that, I guess, gives off a negative connotation of, you know that the being that kind of character can can get you there, and maybe it can, but yeah. it's just it's not the whole story of no. of any job, I don't think.
2: No, it's not. And
1: it's, it's changing a lot more now. Like you said, in the last five, ten years, even how you wouldn't have probably had that comment probably wouldn't come as much now as it did back then. Yeah. And how things are changing for the yeah. better, hopefully.
2: And and I hope they are. I mean, there's there's more there seems I mean there there was various articles. I don't have any specific knowledge on it, but there's various articles about how anxiety's become a lot more present and um, in the younger generations um dealing with you know all these new things like social media and everything else that's going on in the world. Um, and I just hope that with that, we are starting to support people a lot more. Um, yeah, i'm I'm ho- I'm hopeful. um but I mean, unfortunately, you know, as we've said, the the NHS isn't going to suddenly change and have provision for those more mental health services right then and there. Yeah.
1: Oh, I was going to ask you that actually, and <laughs> I yeah. had them written down just a few minutes before we came on about um, how do you see the pandemic acting as a catalyst for change in the NHS? I,
2: <sighs> I mean, the problem is it's it's got to come from the government, um, and it's you know it's about the funding. Um, mental health services have been chronically underfunded and not valued. Um, and I hope that it will, I hope that it will get better. But I also <laughs> I also try not to put any, um, I'm very, I think of life as in shit is always gonna happen and shit's gonna keep happening and it's just like getting through all the shit. So I think at the moment, um, my focus is just on hopefully empowering people to realize like, it's okay not to be okay. You're not alone and there's things you can do for yourself like definitely speak to someone you know and also things like if you ring your gp and on that day that person is not validating your feelings and is not you don't feel like they're listening to you just recognize that that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that no one cares it's an awful thing to happen um but unfortunately we're all human um and you know try ask for another appointment with another GP or I mean something that so I've actually um shared my story about my struggles in the first wave of COVID with the Samaritans charity. And in doing that, I've learned a lot about their different helplines and stuff. They've made for all key workers, uh, something called Our Frontline UK, which is bonded together with Samaritans Mind Charity, Hospice, uh, which provides bereavement services, and Shout, um, which is a charity, yeah, yeah a mental health charity, which is the text uh, the text um, way, instead of chatting on the phone if you don't want to. But I think things like that are, uh, are super important. And you, you, you know, you can utilize them. I wish I'd known about it in the first wave because I spent so many days crying and just being in my flat by myself and feeling completely hopeless and just being like, I'll just keep going. Um, But, you know, speaking to someone like that, um, getting some support and getting some learning would have been incredibly helpful. Um, But yeah, I'm hopeful. Um, I'm hopeful that things will get better. I think that GP is, in particular, have got so many more mental health calls that I think they will have had to learn about how to, you know, how to support these patients more. So that will be a benefit. But yeah.
1: Yeah, I think I've heard from, I think people, maybe men in particular, but, but women as well will think of these sites like, um, like Samaritans and Shout maybe that have heard of those as a, as a point of call maybe before they'd think of the NHS as being that for mental health. And I do know when we did a sh- a show I think back in May or June of this year that we looked at some of the numbers of you know just people who were trying to get through to people like Samaritans and not being able to just because of funding it's just that's, a pure funding yeah. and hours thing that they can't get the numbers there to help and when you have such a direct correlation it, it's that's tragic that you can't yeah. support that and one of the way to take the weight off the NHS I guess is to let those initiatives get as much as they want in a time like this
2: yeah no definitely i mean samaritans have even made um a specific health care and social care workers line i think that's open from something like seven to eleven um but seven days a week and i think mean, they're trying their best to kind of support because they've obviously recognized what the effect um of covid has had on um, the health and social care workers and facing covid all the time but it, it's just a shame um and i think I think things like... I mean, I was reading an article on... um I sound like I read a lot of articles. I really don't. But I was reading this That's article... Also- so I she didn't you, mean I no, she didn't it, like it's because I found it on Instagram. That's why. Is it
1: on an advert <laughs> no,
2: it's not it. An advert. It was um it was an article that was just saying that um it was interesting. It was basically saying that social media is not the place to go for your mental health. And I completely agree. I don't think you should I think if you're struggling with your mental health, do not try and find a cure for things on social media. However, I also think things like pages that just have nice little quotes on. If that makes you happy, follow that nice page that has a quote on that makes you feel better about your day or, you know, gives you a spark of whatever. I think you have to be really careful, but there are some, um, you know, psychologists or um, psychiatrists sharing kind of researched and backed up data. But again, it's, it, I mean, there can be things that aren't as, aren't as trustworthy, but it's really just looking looking to each other, which is obviously difficult in COVID, I think one of the things I'm just really keen on is empowering people to realise that we can look after ourselves. As much as that's horrible and I don't I, I don't want anyone to feel like they have to do it alone and I don't think they should be doing it alone. There's also I think a sense of I've been I'm really grateful to have learned that I can do things to help me. This is what I can do to help me. And so I cling to that as much as anything else at the moment in terms of how can people help themselves, um, and I think speaking to someone, but then also being able to do little things and change their lives for the better, and realizing what's making them sad and what's making them happy, and um, just can be so helpful. Yeah.
0: It's not it's not a horrible or selfish thing to say. Oh, I think you've got to look after yourself as well. What, you can't you can't go helping other people if you don't look after yourself.
2: Yeah. No, of course. I mean, I, I, I mean, there's a the whole thing about practicing what you preach as well. You know, I must I remember a point where when I was crying well and I suddenly thought, hang on, what would I what would I say to my patient? Would I say, no, you need to keep going to work, even though you're crying every day and really struggling? Or would I say you need a break and you need some help and um, I'm here for you and that's and it's the whole thing of how you speak to yourself as well isn't it um we tend to speak to ourselves much more negatively than we would speak to a friend in general which is something I'm working on <laughs> again
0: <laughs> from my personal experience I, I've had like, great help from like when you've been to like, the hospital the GP um or like mental therapy like, therapist um I've all had like such great like help from medical professionals what was your opinion Steph when like people were like on a Thursday were like clapping outside for like, NHS heroes or like, oh, yeah. when people were giving you this what is want to say airtime but it's like it shouldn't have needed a global pandemic for people to appreciate the NHS like I always I always go back to the 2012 Olympics the opening ceremony when they did the massive bit about the NHS at the beginning and I remember reading stuff and some people were like oh why, why was that I was like it's fucking unbelievable <laughs> it's such a yeah. great service that i Oh, what was your what was your opinion on like people labeling you as like a hero
2: yeah i mean it's difficult i uh um there's a few different opinions i have on it firstly i'm i i do not feel like a hero and i don't necessarily want to feel like a hero because i don't have i'm a human at the end of the day i don't have superpowers um able to do things that are different but i also think that for some people it has been really helpful and given them a spur to you know help help them get through um and all the kind like donations to the hospital and all this kind of thing definitely you know perks up your day but i think generally what people would prefer is just the basics follow the rules stay at home stop having raves and parties you know wear a mask um And also things like, you know, getting mental health support for ourselves. I remember the first time they did the clapping and I was very sceptical, but I remember the first time I heard it and I I felt really heartwarmed. I was like, oh, this is lovely. And, you know, all my friends said, this is so lovely. But I think as it went on and we realised that, you know, there weren't proper supplies of PPE. So, and also we weren't getting that much mental health support. There wasn't any dedicated... um, things coming from the NHS itself. There's no change. Pay is not something that bothers me, but I I think it does for a lot of people. And it's also just to realise that obviously it's not just the doctors, it's the nurses, the HDAs, you know, all the different people that make up the team, all being asked to go above and beyond what they were doing.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's obviously fantastic what you do. Question to the floor, if you could have one superpower. What would fly.
2: No, uh, either fly or apparate. Apparates when you like, click and then you're somewhere else, isn't it? No, oh, what's that?
0: It's not like teleporting. Operate?
2: Maybe teleporting. Are you guys not Harry Potter? I just assume everyone's a really a bigger Harry Potter fan than me and like knows more. Um. Oh, why? What? What are your guys? What are your ones?
1: I'd like, I'd like to go back in t- back and forward in time. If that's
2: really allowed. as as in yeah. only okay, but like that kid that used to stop the clock, that show that the kid used to stop the clock oh, and then everyone you... was frozen. Or or do you mean like you'd live in that time?
0: No. Bernard Watch. That was a TV show when you it Watch, Was it Bernard's Watch. Bernard's
2: Watch, yes.
0: Just just back and forward in, in time.
1: Just so I can go to different times for however long. Literally step in a time machine and go. And are
2: we talking like in your sorry, I get very interested in these things. Are we talking like go in on. your life? Or are we talking about, you know, like go to the future and see whether we've all been frozen and there's aliens?
1: The whole the whole lot.
2: Everything. Interesting.
1: The whole shaman, if, if that's allowed, that's quite.
0: A... No, we can. Let uh, you if, know. if it's more contained than that. Well, about you met. Invisibility and flying are the stereotypical two, aren't they? So you got to hear me yeah. out on this one. Doesn't have it. Doesn't have a unhealthy impact, but having the ability not. To have to go to the toilet. <laughs> I think about how much time during the day you could oh say if you didn't have to go to
1: the toilet. Isn't it a nice welcome break to just go to the
0: toilet? Yeah. Just have, I love going to the toilet. I don't know, what you, I to know don't, oh, what you two did at the toilet.
2: I'm in there to do, your job, like out do a job. Do a job? I don't know. I, like, I don't know. My I don't it's think, a great time to I don't think. Yeah. I don't think I'm ever that bothered by that. But I mean, fair enough. I mean, you waste time with everything. I can't. I mean, admin. <laughs> you could get rid of admin. If my superpower could be that all my admin gets done like that that would be that would That's be just, amazing
0: you just get a pa don't
2: you i know basically get rich.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there's only one thing left to tick off the list i'll need a coin so so triple threat round this is between you two. Yeah. So, Dr. Steph and James. Yeah. So, flip a coin. <laughs> the loser's got to do with a song, a story, a joke. And as you're the guest, Steph, can call it in the air. Yes. It's actually Tails. I'm not in Tails.
2: Okay, fine.
0: Saved by the coin.
2: <laughs> Uh, I was literally thinking about this for ages and I was like oh god I can't think of anything and then my mum reminded me so I'll I'll say this story um so I was very fortunate uh to go on a safari back when we used to travel again um with my mum quite a few years ago and we'd stay in these amazing huts and they were open on one side of it, open to the nature, and at the time we thought it was quite cool, but one day we were at lunch, and I decided to go back, and I got back to the room, and as I started to get there, I heard all these noises, squeak, like kind of squawking noises, I don't know, high-pitched stuff, and there were baboons um, on the roof, on and inside the hut, and outside the hut, (laughs) I was absolutely freaked out um and because they have massive teeth and I was very scared that I was going to get attacked anyway I froze and kind of retreated a little bit and rang my mum and she brought someone one of the security guards from the camp and luckily by the time they got there they had all run away thank goodness so once the fear had settled down uh we went back inside uh and found a lovely present from them which is one of them had done a massive poo in the shower (laughs) you know thankful for the experiences so yeah just a bit of a poo story, story for you
1: thanks for listening please follow and share us on instagram and twitter at all with a space